hello, hello, on today's bite-sized show. Since it's award season, I will be looking back at the 2016 NBA end of season awards. At the end of this episode, I'm doing Nick's picks. We came close to breaking even last week, but we got some winners lined up for this week. But first, Wiki of the Week. The Wiki of the Week this week is First Dates. I don't know how many of you all are familiar with this television show, but it's a reality show that started in 2013. Basically, the the premise of the show is there's a restaurant to where everybody in the restaurant is on a first date and they have cameras set up everywhere throughout the restaurant and everyone wears a microphone. And so basically the producers of the show can cut together a narrative of three or four, sometimes five couples if there's one date that is quickly over or has like some sort of event that they want to get into the show. But for the most part, you have three or four different couples that the episode will focus on and they go through a date it's at a very nice restaurant and then at the end of the date they have to come in and say if they're willing to go on a second date together it's a it's a good show it's a good show to have on in the background and it's it's kind of fun it's almost like people watching from afar here like in the pandemic but the reason i was looking up the wiki specifically is i was trying to figure out how many days like they shoot an episode like there's so many different people eating at the restaurant in any given episode, but you only focus in on three or four narratives. Does that mean that all the other dates weren't interesting enough to make the cut? Is there an online version where maybe you get every date that happens? I don't know, but I do know that there are multiple days where it occurs because sometimes a date won't work out for a person that the show likes or probably a producer likes or for some reason or another, they'll set them up on a second date, so it kind of has this carryover narrative for the show. But that means that these are happening on separate days or maybe even separate weekends. Maybe it's like Great British Bake Off, where it's a Saturday-Sunday thing. That way, people can come in from all over. And I, and I should say that this show is in a lot of different countries. Uh, let me look up some of the seasons here on the wiki page. We have... Canada, Netherlands, Germany, Australia, Spain, Ireland, New Zealand, Sweden, Italy, Poland, USA, France, Brazil, Israel, Norway, Argentina, Portugal, Austria, Austria, not Australia, Finland, South Africa, and Belgium. So it's a worldwide show. Most of these seasons take place uh, between like 2016 to now. Uh, it's It was started in 2013, and then it obviously got probably bought and sold by the network or the rights to it. Kind of how there's like a Survivor and Bachelor and all these other reality shows in different countries. We just don't really see those cuts here in America. But what I could find on the page, I couldn't find exactly how many weekends they did shoot or they do traditionally shoot. But I did find a couple pieces of information here that I thought was pretty interesting. The restaurant is closed to the public when filming takes place, so every single couple in there is on a first date. They're, the room is fitted with 42 pan tilt zoom cameras, and there's at least 70 crew members on set during filming, which is kind of weird to think about. Like you're already on a lot of pressure on a first date, and these are all blind dates, I guess I should mention as well, which is another kind of weird thing about this wiki article in general. It's, it's almost like a spelling bee style where some of the phrases 
are links and it's to define like a certain word it's like oh these couples who have not met each other before and that's a link and that links you to a blind date so they're all on blind dates but you have to imagine this pressure is it's it's a lot you know going on a blind date but then knowing that it's gonna be on television and then to be surrounded by 70 cast crew members camera people i mean you gotta feel for the people you wonder how natural they can be or maybe that's what the the show brings out in certain people is uh, their true self or maybe their nervous self and they maybe act out a little bit but usually by the end of the day everybody is settled down but you can tell that some of the contestants are quite nervous but uh it, apparently the shooting lasts for 15 hours a day and each diner is given 25 euro towards the cost of their meal which is always a topic during these meals is they're always like whoa the price so i guess this restaurant is quite expensive sometimes you hear the price and it doesn't sound like a whole lot but you know sometimes denominations can be misleading on uh, what kind of figure they're actually representing you know i, I don't know anything really much outside of the u.s dollar uh, the only other interesting thing I found here on the wiki page about first dates is the restaurant staff isn't a restaurant staff. It's kind of made up of like actors and like uh, very successful brand ambassadors to alcohol and things like that. And the bartender, he, or I guess it depends on which show you're watching, but like on this one, the bartender also had like a career in advertising and a bunch of other things. So I think that would be my dream job on the show would be the bartender. Because what they do is when someone gets into the restaurant, they send them to the bar first to wait for their date. And they usually get a cocktail. And that bartender tries to relax the person, ask them about what they're looking for. It's, it's a fun little five-minute conversation, which I feel like I excel in in real life. So I would like that job if I'm on the show. But... That's all I really have about first dates. I recommend it. There's a number of seasons out there on HBO Max. So tune in, write in, uh, hello at begonia.fm and let me know what you think of the show. Or if you were a part of the production, please email me and let me know how many weekends or the shoot or what, what the shooting schedule is like because I got to know. But uh, that's all I have on first dates. We're going to pause real quick to hear a word from our sponsors. And then I'm going to look back at the 2015-2016 NBA regular season awards. This episode is brought to you by Mammoth Coolers. As summer approaches, it's the perfect time to step up your cooler game, and there's no better option than Mammoth. They make the best coolers since the Ice Age. Their Ranger 125 is an extra large cooler that provides maximum capacity with maximum performance. It has a 125 quart capacity and 10-day ice retention, making it the perfect cooler for any adventure. This thing is heavy duty. The walls of the cooler are roto-molded and insulated with a thick layer of premium foam. Like all Mammoth coolers, the Ranger 125 has an integrated hinge system that is secured with a stainless steel hinge pin, and the lid is a freezer-grade rubber gasket ensuring an airtight seal. All Mammoth products are backed by a lifetime warranty and shipped to the 48 continental United States. Visit mammothcooler.com, that's M-A-M-M-O-T-H-C-O-O-L-E-R.com to order. And use the offer code BEGONIAFM, all one word at checkout to get 10% off. Using that code helps Mammoth know you came from us. Thanks to Mammoth for sponsoring this episode and all of Begonia FM.
Okay, welcome back. The voting for this season's NBA Awards is happening now. And next week, Tom and I are going to get into all of those awards. But today, I thought it would be fun to look back five seasons ago to the 2015-2016 season and look through all the award winners and re-examine what we got right and maybe what we got wrong here in the basketball world. But we got to start with the MVP, right? This is Steph's unanimous year. And for a little bit of context, just to remind everybody, the 15-16 season, it's the Warriors, 73 wins. They come back 3-1 against the Thunder to go to the championship, where then the Cavaliers win in seven games, coming back from a 3-1 deficit, and LeBron bringing the land a championship there. This was also Kobe Bryant's last season playing in the league. I remember there on the final day or... I think, yeah, it had to have been the final day of the regular season, or at least the last game for both the Warriors and the Lakers. There was this big question of, oh, which game should you watch? ESPN is showing the Lakers game, Kobe Bryant's last game, and the Warriors are going for history for 73 wins, topping the 97 Bulls for the 72, or the 96 Bulls? The 96 Bulls for 72 wins. Ah, I don't remember if it's the 96 or 97 Bulls. Somebody write in and let me know. But in any case, the Warriors were going for the all-time amount of wins, and it was Kobe's last game. And the whole joke on Twitter was like, we're all watching Kobe. Like, this is cool what the Warriors are doing, but this isn't even a question. And looking back, I think we all made the right decision. Uh, That was, I mean, I'll never forget watching that game. I know exactly where I was, and that final shot, Kobe just nailing it. It just, it was a, it was a super special night, and I, I mean, special night for all basketball fans in general. And now it has like just the extra layer of specialness because we lost Kobe all too soon. So that's this season, the 15, 16 season. Steph got the MVP unanimously. He got all 131 first place votes. Runner up was Kawhi Leonard, then LeBron James, then Russell Westbrook, and then Kevin Durant. Uh, pretty good top five there. Kind of interesting that Russell Westbrook finished above Kevin Durant, but this was also that period of time where, I mean, this is, I mean, Durant left after this season. So it's a lot of contention there on the Thunder, or a lot of drama in general between Westbrook, Durant. Harden was traded a couple of years earlier. The Thunder got really close to winning a championship this year, but they didn't pull it out. But that is really Interesting to look back and see that Westbrook finished higher than Kevin Durant that year. Uh, rookie of the year, Cat won, Carl Anthony Towns, almost doubling second place, uh, the zinger, Kristaps Porzingis. And then we have Jokic, who finished third for rookie of the year that season, who it looks, I mean, we'll talk about next week, like I said with Tom, but it looks like he's going to win MVP this season. So that's pretty cool, looking back that he was top three in rookie of the year and he was a late pick he'll be one of the only second round picks ever to be an mvp so pretty cool there uh then to fill out the rest of the list really interesting a lot of really it looks good or it looks bad so we got devin booker awesome jaleel okafer uh, that didn't really pan out did it justice winslow didn't pan out either emmanuel moutier nope Miles Turner, yeah, he turned out to be a good ball player, and so did uh, ninth place there, D'Angelo Russell, who only got one point. So that was probably a Lakers media member who voted for that. But you got to vote. He's on the list. Uh, like I said, kind of a hit or miss there, but I think we got it right. 
uh, Carl Anthony Towns was really good there for the Timberwolves and has continued to improve since then. I mean, you could maybe argue that Devin Booker is the best out of this list, or maybe you would argue Joker because he's about to be MVP and is so influential for the Nuggets there and could be leading them to a championship. But if, if I could have anybody from the list, I would definitely take Booker. But pretty solid class there for Rookie of the Year. Let's jump here to Defensive Player of the Year. Kawhi Leonard won this year. And this was this weird period of time where people wanted to anoint Kawhi Leonard maybe not exactly to where like the type of player that he was. You know, I, I think we all expected him to be somebody different on the court. And he's still an amazing player, obviously, multi-time champion, multi-time finals MVP, an amazing defensive player. But you can see from finishing second there in the MVP voting and then winning defensive player of the year, the people really wanted Kawhi to ascend to maybe the face of the league or to the true rival of LeBron James, a rival that LeBron never really had because he ended up joining probably his biggest rival there in the East earlier in his career with Dwayne Wade. So it turns out that like maybe Kawhi is not wanting to be the face of the league, but he's still like a, he's an all-time great, but on this year specifically, Draymond Green finished second. I would actually argue that Draymond Green probably should have won Defensive Player of the Year. Kawhi averaged 1.8 steals. Draymond averaged 1.5. So, yeah, Kawhi got him by 0.3 steals. But then Draymond has him by 0.4 blocks. It's 1.4 to 1.0. Then when it comes to rebounds, Draymond Green has him again. And a defensive possession only ends when you rebound the basketball. So... It was close, but not close enough, in my opinion. With that 73-win team, a lot of that was Draymond Green being able to be such a, such a, I guess, unique player. I don't want to say a mismatch, because, I mean, I guess he did spread the court better this season than he has since then. But it's one of those... Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. Yeah, that he's gonna be the difference, like on the offensive end by any means. But I think that he was the catalyst for the team in general. Maybe even just like emotionally. But I, I think that he spearheaded the defense. He was incredible that year, and I think that he probably should have been the defensive player of the year. The rest of this list, a little wild. Some names that you would expect on there, and others just seem like from another era. But we have Hassan Whiteside third, my boy. We got DeAndre Jordan at fourth, Paul Millsap at fifth, Avery Bradley at sixth, Rudy Gobert, who's probably going to win the Defensive Player of the Year this year, there at seventh. We got the grindfather himself, Tony Allen, AD, Andre Drummond, and a few other notable names. If you go down the list a lot, they're tied for 13 with 1.1, so that's probably their own media member voting for them, so... We won't, we won't get into that, but Defensive Player of the Year probably should have been Draymond Green, but not a terrible choice with it being Kawhi Leonard. Sixth Man of the Year, this is where it gets a little bit more interesting. We got Jamal Crawford winning Sixth Man of the Year. Pretty close on the vote, just finishing above Andre Iguodala there. And this was that period in time where Lou Williams and Jamal Crawford basically passed the Sixth Man of the Year award back and forth because they were a guy who came off the bench who could get a bucket. And just kind of like the same argument with Draymond, I think that Andre Iguodala did a lot more for his team, specifically this season too, the 73-win Warriors, than Jamal Crawford did for those Clippers teams. 
But I people tend to vote for the guy who can get buckets off the bench. That's usually the sixth man of the year, almost every year. The rest of this list, we got Cantor, Will Barton, Evan Turner, Ryan Anderson, Jeremy Lin. Shout out to Jeremy Lin. Ed Davis, Dennis Schroeder, and Tristan Thompson finishing out the top ten. So... Honestly, a couple people there who aren't in the league anymore, and then a couple people who might even win a six-man of the year later on in their career. I could see Cantor possibly doing it. I could definitely see Schroeder doing it. So why not? Uh, actually, you know what? Let's finish out the rest of this list because it is, it is a little bit wild. We have some low-point vote-getters here that I just want to shout out. Patrick Patterson, Drew Holiday, Alan Crabb. Yes, Alan Crabb for six-man of the year. Darren Collison, which is... Weird to think about that he's no longer in the league and he was young and he was sixth man of the year. He was the sixth man, you know, or wasn't the sixth man of the year, but voted for sixth man of the year. He was a good guy off the bench. And then just above him, Zach Levine, Boris Diaw, and JJ Berea, who got five points. Maybe there's more votes in Dallas than other places, but I can't believe that JJ got five points for six man of the year that year i'm a, I'm a big jj Barea fan but he's I, I, i'm not voting that way that's just that's not what i'm gonna do so uh i'm going with andre Iguodala on this one i think that he probably should have won but i'm not mad at jamal crawford for uh winning another six man of the year i don't know i don't know how he has he maybe has three four somebody write in let me know uh moving on most improved player Top in the list, C.J. McCollum. He won it, uh, won it by a pretty considerable margin. And I think this is kind of cool because C.J. has turned out to be one of the best probably 30, 40 players in the NBA. So it's cool to look back five years ago and see he won most improved. And he's still improving to this day. But this could be also one of those things where it's more playing time. C.J. didn't play a lot early in his career. And then he started to get some run and he put up some, put up some stats. So I, I guess... That's the best way to win most improved player. Uh, but the rest of this list, Kemba Walker, Giannis Antetokounmpo got third. And then Steph Curry at fourth. This is going too far. The unanimous MVP, I understand. It's probably a little bit overkill for the MVP just because Jordan didn't do it. He notoriously like, got all but one vote one year. And so people, you know, is Steph worthy of being the only unanimous mvp it's a tough to thing to go back and look at or these votes can sometimes just be local media members just voting for their own guys so that's where those types of things get messed up here but for most improved player steph curry number four come on come on media this is i i get what you're saying like look look at this explosion they have 73 wins if you look at his stats from the year before, it, it isn't most improved player. He's better, but he's not the most improved player. And if we're going to put him fourth on the most improved player for 2015-2016, he probably should just win it this season. So I'll actually be very, very interested to see if Steph Curry even gets a vote for most improved player. But run down the rest of the list. Will Barton, again, popping up on one of these lists. Jay Crowder, Draymond Green. Isaiah Thomas, who is back in the league, shout out to him. Hassan Whiteside, Kawhi Leonard, Andre Drummond, Gary Harris, Kent Bazemore, and then a bunch of other people there with three or fewer points. But I just had to dig into that Steph Curry most improved player vote. I just, 
it's just uncalled for. You know, we, we get it. He's very good at basketball. He was better than the year before. But I I don't know. That, that just seems like a little bit of overkill to me. But I just want to go over those main awards there, kind of talk them out. Maybe it's something I'll bring up too with Tom next week and see if he has any more thoughts on it. But that's all I really have. Uh, if you guys think that somebody else should have won or you totally agree with how the voting turned out, just write an email, hello at begonia.fm, or just tweet at me at Nick Jaley. You know, just let me know what you think. But up next is Nick's picks. But first, we're going to pause to hear one more word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Mammoth Coolers, the best cooler since the Ice Age. Summer is approaching, and that means it's about to get hot. But that doesn't have to be the fate of your canned or bottled beverage. Mammoth's Chilski is a double wall vacuum insulated drink holder made with kitchen grade stainless steel. The Chilski works with both 12 ounce cans and bottles and has a screw on collar that seals the can or bottle securely. It keeps your beverage cold 10 times longer than competitive drink holders. The Chilski comes in a variety of colors, including burnt orange, midnight blue, and sea foam green. You can even customize it with a high definition laser engraving. All Mammoth products are backed by a lifetime warranty and shipped to the 48 continental United States. Visit mammothcooler.com, that's M-A-M-M-O-T-H-C-O-O-L-E-R.com to order. And use the offer code BEGONIAFM, all one word, at checkout to get 10% off. Using that code helps Mammoth know you came from us. Thanks to Mammoth for sponsoring this episode and all of Begonia FM. Okay, Nick's picks. Let's go over last week's picks really quickly here. Suns at the Bucks. This was a win for us. The Suns won by one point. We had three points additionally on top of that. If there would have been a money line available, we could have bet that and won. But the Suns did win by one point in overtime. Actually, watch this game. This game was awesome. And if it ends up being like a finals matchup, Bucks and Suns, count me in. That would be super exciting. But uh, second one, Spurs with the Pacers. We lost this one. We had the Pacers with the point, and the Spurs won by 15, which not only is worrisome for Nick's picks, but is also worrisome for the playoff party. But Tom and I will talk about that more next week. And then our third pick from last week, we had the Cavs with the points over the Pistons, and the Pistons won by four. So that's a loss for us. Heartbreaker really just needed two points. But that's the way the gambling goes. That's why this is fun. So it brings our ledger to we're down $59.73. And our overall record is 29-41. and 41. But Like I said at the top, we got three winners this week. So let me read those for you. Bulls at the Heat. Heat are favored by four points in this one. And this is the time of the year where, like, if a team's been up and down throughout the season and they're a good team, they're going to start to tune up. And that's the Heat, in my opinion. So going with the Heat to cover on this one, to cover those four points, that's a minus 110. So that's $10 to win, $9.10. Second game, Clippers at the Pelicans. Clips are favored by three and a half points in this one. And I'm going with the Clips to cover in this one. So two favorites. Actually, we're going to have three favorites here all today. But I'm going for the Clips to cover in this. I know that Zion has been playing incredibly, but the Clippers have a good amount of bodies to throw at Zion, and the Clippers are kind of like in the same bowl as the Heat there, to where 
Actually, they haven't even had as up and down of a season as the Heat, but the good teams at this time of the year tune it up, get their rotations right. So I'm going with the Clips on this one to cover the three and a half points. That's a minus 110, so that's $10 to win $9.10. Third game here, Jazz at the Timberwolves. The Jazz are favored by nine and a half in this one. And this could be a trap game. You know, you could see the Jazz traveling to Minnesota looking like, hey, we got this game easy. You know, Donovan Mitchell's out. We'll be fine. But at the same time, Utah could just knock in a bunch of threes and blow it wide open. So I don't, I know they have a good defense, so I don't want to bet against that defense. So I'm going with the Jazz to cover the nine and a half points versus the Timberwolves. Hopefully this one doesn't come back to bite me in the butt. Or bite me in the bell if it's the Jazz, right? And uh, so Jazz to cover the nine and a half points. That's a minus 115. So that's $10 to win $8.70. I'll recap the picks here really quickly. I got the Heat to cover versus the Bulls. That's four points they have to cover. That's a minus 110. I got the Clippers to cover against the Pelicans. They're covering three and a half points. That is a minus 110. And the third game, I got the Jazz to cover nine and a half points, and that's a minus 115. But that is it for me this week. If you want to say hello, you can do that by sending an email to hello at begonia.fm or tweeting at me. My handle is at Nick Jaley. Thanks to Mammoth for sponsoring the episode. I'll be back in seven sleeps.